Bro. Bro. Welcome to another episode of Rust Life Radio. Weekend Review, episode 116. I'm your host this week, Kyle Polly, And joining me is my bro. Well, my cousin. Not really my bro. But whatever. Might as well be. Micah. That's right. How's it going? The better of the Sin Brothers, some might say. <laughs> some might say that. Yeah, last week you got you got the Matt sins. This week you got the Micah sins. So we'll see we'll see who who really stacks up. We'll let the, sure. we'll let the fans decide. Right in, and be sure if you uh, if you if you uh, are praising Matt, you forward all those messages to Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook. That way I can quickly delete them. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back. Yeah, it's uh... oh yeah, you weren't on last week, right? That's right, I was not. I took a break. And uh, you did pick a good week to come back for uh, AEW. Definitely Fire more fast, very uh, much more eventful than uh, WWE television this week. The WWE had had TV this week. They were Unfor- unfortunately they did. Uh, I, I, so. didn't I didn't know. <laughs> but first, before we get to that, let's do this day in wrestling history. What do we got? What happened this day in wrestling history? This day in wrestling history. The year, 1996. That was a good year for humanity. And a good year for wrestling, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, a, like, someone would say one of the biggest, arguably the biggest event in wrestling history was the formation of the NWO in WCW. Now, obviously, at the time, uh, there was not currently a Monday Night War. There was... Uh, well, I mean, I guess there kind of was. They, they were uh, WCW was like on the up. They had uh, been sold to uh, Mr. Ted Turner in Atlanta, Georgia, and he was basically going, you know, trying to go up against Vince McMahon, who was the the titan of wrestling for the longest time. And he uh, basically Vince started losing all of his stars because he thought they were too old, mm-hmm. which is just hilarious, as we'll get to in the uh, Raw and SmackDown review. But uh, he was losing his top stars, and WCW said, all right, well, they still have drawing value, so we're going to pick them up. And obviously, as the story goes, we had Macho Man, Randy Savage, Sting, Lex Luger in a main event versus the Outsiders, and there was a mysterious third man that they kept talking about, and Hulk Hogan showed up, dropped the leg on Randy Savage, and the rest is history. That's right, wrestling history. And, you know, it's amazing you were talking about – On this day – on this day, it's amazing <laughs> what you're talking about, like how Vince McMahon currently is. I think he's got PTSD uh, from from letting his older talents loose. So now he just holds them tightly and puts them on programming every week. You know, even yeah. if they can't wrestle or shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be in the building. So, and it's also funny how he like pretty much said like a, a little while ago, like they were asking him about the ratings and stuff coming out of WrestleMania, and he was like, "Well, Brock Lesnar's not around anymore, so." It's going to take time for this young talent to get over. So, Oh, my gosh. How many people actually watch wrestling for Brock Lesnar? I would like to know. How many people actually enjoy watching Brock Lesnar wrestle? I mean, he's a draw. Like, he, he was in some, you know, to some extent. But I don't think the hardcore base was watching it for Brock Lesnar. I think he brought in the casual people. But I don't think he I, held I any kind of, of audience. Even a casual fan, 
I can see them turning the channel because, yes, Brock Lesnar's going to be there, and they've heard him in UFC or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But if they actually saw him wrestle, I can't imagine them not changing the channel away. It just it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, but I guess I'll I'll never understand. Yeah. Also, Goldberg got over doing like five second matches. So that's true. Uh, it is worth also mentioning that uh, Paul Paul Heyman, the whole reason he was fired or or, or uh, demoted, I guess I should say, he's still hired. He's still on the roster. He's got to work on his uh, what do they say on screen talent is what he was now. Yeah, with no Brock uh, Lesnar. Yeah, with no Brock Lesnar. Uh, so they, uh, the whole reason him and him and Vince didn't get along was because Paul Heyman wanted to bring up all this new talent. And Vince was like, no, pal, we, we need to stick to the Ric Flair's, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Oh man. We're going to talk about Ric Flair again. We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. But, uh, we're going to start with fighter fest, AEW this week. Uh, obviously too big for one night. So we're having, uh, the next installment. Um, well, when the show comes out, it'll be tonight, but. We're filming this day ahead because we pull back the curtain. Uh, so it will be tomorrow. And um, they, they just actually announced today that apparently Taz is making a big announcement. Uh, we'll, big assume, announcement. Uh, we'll assume regarding John Moxley and if he's actually going to be there. So, uh, yeah. But, it would be a huge swerve if John Moxley showed up to main event the evening. That would actually be pretty cool. I thought, uh, actually thought about that when I saw the news. And I obviously originally thought, like, I wonder if they're going to change the main event. And then because that I mean, would be a pretty poor idea, seeing as how they're going against Keith Lee and, and Adam Cole, but it would be a swerve for sure. It would be. They they are promising, like Tony Khan called it, like, or he I think he retweeted it, and Taz said it was like uh, it would shake the foundation of like the wrestling world or something like that. And I was like, uh, I all right, man, so. <laughs> I doubt it. You better deliver. Okay, Taz Taz has thrown away Brian Cage. He's already done with him, and now he's the advocate for their newest. AEW superstar, Bork Lesnar. He comes in. Is that his daughter? <laughs> yeah, it's his, his daughter, and, and she's got the uh, – never mind. Don't, don't um, tell her I said that. She would kill me. She, have you, she have could, you seen his daughter? My totally, God. She could kill both of us. She's a chip off the old Brock. <laughs> that's, Jesus. That's, that's for certain. Yeah, I, I actually I'm surprised we haven't seen any too big for one night uh, memes come up on BTE. They really missed an opportunity with this. They might do uh, this they, week. They, they should have hammed it up. Uh, they didn't this week. Not not on Monday at least. They should have hammed it up for uh, for BTE for a few weeks. But anyways, uh, let's let's open up this week with Fighter Fest. That's right. It's not dynamite. It's like dynamite, but with more fighting. Yeah. It's the name Fighter Fest. Uh, we open up the show with Chris Jericho coming out in his most festive Canada Day apparel. Did you see this beautiful jacket he's wearing? I mean, just full of Canadian pride. I saw his uh, his Canadian post on Instagram where he just posted all these like Canadian heroes that nobody's ever heard of, but it was hilarious looking. So I can only yeah, one of the one of the greatest Canadian wrestlers of all time. He's representing that is Luther. Um, he's a big big fan of Luther. <laughs> uh, but yeah, any anytime Chris Jericho is on commentary, it's going to be a good night of wrestling. Uh, he's oh, yeah. joined by Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and JR. This has to be, I mean, let's see, looking 10 years ago, right? And we look into the future, and of course, not a lot of people knew who Excalibur was, but on the uh, on the indie scene, he was a big deal. Um, but if you were to look at the future, so there's going to be a new wrestling promotion, and on the commentary team, you're going to have Chris Jericho, Taz, Tony Schiavone, and JR. I mean... That's got it. That's that's stacked. That is stacked. That's a dream team right there. For sure. Uh, I mean, 
you can't get much better than that. But yeah, not only is the commentary team stacked, the night is stacked was pretty deep with some matches. We've got match after match after match. I mean, we were watching it and I was like, man, we've already been like through four matches. We still got like, I think two to go. I think there's six matches, maybe five, maybe six. I don't know. We'll find out. Count them for folks. Uh, the, The first match of the night is MJF and Wardlow versus the Jurassic Express. And uh, Kyle, did you see anything about this match? Maybe perhaps MJF's attire? I, I did not, but I, I did. Uh, I, I do know the Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Uh, they, they helped me secure uh, the first win over Matt because I, I know he made a, a predictions for the show, which I'm sure Matt wrote down and has them somewhere if we need to go back and check them. I'm, I'm sure he didn't. <laughs> I'm sure he did not. Um, <laughs> yeah, as uh, as as MJF and Wardlow are coming out, I have no idea what MJF's trying to do. I don't know if it was intended to be as bad as it was, but it looks like something that our grandma would wear to bed. It's like a pink and green muumu. Yeah, I, That's heard, right. I heard he's wearing something pink, but I, yeah, I didn't get to it catch what like, it was. It was like a bathrobe. It was like fuzzy and it was awful. It was so bad. I mean, and then he took it off and it got even worse because he's wearing like Pepto Bismol colored tights. <laughs> I don't know if he's just trying to be visually heel as much as he is on the mic, but he's he's gaining some heel heat for me because this is the worst attire I've ever seen. Now, Ric Flair did make a career out of coming out of the bathroom, so it's true, but at least it's had like feathers and such. This was like uh I don't know. It's just like a straight up bathrobe. Like he got it from the rack on at Dollar General in the clearance section. I don't know. It was it's pretty bad. Um, MJF cuts a promo on Jurassic Express as he's coming out. Uh, he states that Jungle Boy is only where he is because of his daddy's money, and Luchasaurus is just as green as his tongue. Uh, it's a pretty good little promo, and it, uh, it it incited a little bit of anger in the Jurassic Express. They come out full force. They don't waste any time with their entrance or their pyro. Their pyro is still shot off, but like they're battling in the ring, so that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, they come on full force against the MJFs, as I'm calling them. Uh, they've had just enough of MJF's mouth, and they're gonna they're gonna close it tonight. They're gonna end end this feud. Uh, because AEW actually does that. They end feuds. They don't just stretch them out. Uh, for what seems like eternities. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, this, I'm looking at a picture of this jacket, and I don't know, like... Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Isn't it don't the know worst? On. <laughs> it's the worst. It's it's the worst thing. And I don't know who designed that, but if your idea was to make me hate MJF more, you've done it. I yeah, think it's like a green really checkered print, like... like it's a, the same... It's like, like a combination of a skirt our grandfather would wear with a robe that our grandmother would wear. Maybe it's, a, it, maybe it's dedicated to his grandparents. It might be. Maybe that's what it is. And in which case, uh, still bad. Still bad, MJF. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, this match uh, This match went about as you would expect. Uh, you had some really good big man spots with Wardlow. He caught Jungle Boy mid-air, uh, mid-Hurricane Rana even. Uh, and, and at one point, he even slammed Luchasaurus. Some really good spots out of Wardlow. Um, and it, one of the spots I didn't love, uh, at one point, MJF did hit, hit with three dives in a row, it was like two Tope Suicidas and then a Tope Con Haro, I think they call it, where he jumps over the top rope. Right. Um, yeah, MJF just kind of stood there like a dummy while M- while Jungle Boy was running the ropes. It was just a bit much. It was a cool spot to watch, but it was just one of those things that's just like, okay, well, this is kind of taking me out of it uh, because wrestling, as you all know, is real. 
So the fact that these imposters would come out here and try to imitate wrestling, it just it just it just it hits the nerve with me. Uh, there was also a really cool spot where all four men were down on the mat, uh, and Luchasaurus and Wardlow both kipped up simultaneously, and then shortly after that, Jungle Boy and MJF also kipped up uh, simultaneously, and it was just like perfectly timed. It looked really cool. Uh, and then uh, I think in, uh, Jungle Boy jumped on Luchasaurus's shoulder and then hit hit MJF. It was, it was this was really cool. Yeah. They also teased a bit more of the MJF and Wardlow split uh, as MJF was attempting to cheat with his diamond ring because it's got to get involved in every match, folks. Uh, Wardlow had Luchasaurus like held back with his arms behind his back, and as MJF is coming to hit uh, Luchasaurus, he ducks. And he almost hits Wardlow, but he doesn't. But as he's like kind of apologizing to Wardlow, uh, I think it was Jungle Boy came behind him and kicked him, and that forced him to hit Wardlow right in the face. And Wardlow was not happy, as you'd imagine, getting punched in the face by one of your partners. Um, yeah, I think they're to begin with. I thought they were just going to kind of leave some seeds for a long time in the future, but. They're really pushing the the split pretty hard, but I guess you could say the same about Sasha and Bailey. So this could go on for years, uh, even who knows. Yeah, and I've heard really good things about Wardlow lately. That he's he's just done really well, um, especially yeah. like the match he had with Luchasaurus, um, uh, and just this match he was also really good in. Uh, I, I personally, if they do turn him, I, I would rather them just have him turn on MJF and not really go, not pull like a. Uh, Sandow or, you know, like these other guys who turn on their heel partners and just like try to go good guys. Cause I think that would be a little bit miscast. I think he could still yeah, be a bad guy in this role and just be like a brute dude and just like kill people. And yeah, I don't see him as a baby face at all. Yeah, I don't either. So I hope they don't try and go that route. I think he just, you know, just beats up MJF gets, gets, uh, gets a little bit of a pop or something and then just becomes a killer on his own. I'll be happy with that. Yeah, he's got a very punchable face. I wouldn't see him as a very good baby face. Um, But yeah, I agree with you. I would like to see if they do split, them both stay heel. Uh, I don't see MJF ever being a face just because of how evil of a person he truly is. Um, Let's see, where were we at in the match? Uh, This, yeah, the uh, MJF hitting Wardlow. That allowed Luchasaurus to hit the standing moonsault on Wardlow. And that allowed the Jurassic Express to get the win over the MJFs. Yeah, big and win. I, I'm really pleased with the outcome of this match. Uh, MJF remained unpinned, which he was sure to let everybody know on Twitter afterwards. He's still undefeated in his own mind because he has two losses, but neither one was he pinned or submitted. So I am glad they let the actual tag team win this match. Um, the most important thing of the night, I think we can go uh, go ahead and get out of the way. Uh, after this match, we have a commercial break. <laughs> I was about to say, if you skip this, I'm going to call you out for it. And and during this commercial break, we all found out about something very exciting. Like Taz said, something that will change the fabric of wrestling forever. It's a brand new event hosted by AEW. And you may be asking yourself, is it Blood, or, blood and Guts? Is it Fight for the Fallen? What, what could it be? Some other new pay-per-view? You guessed wrong. Mm-hmm. Because it is a puppy battle royal. That's right, literal puppies, baby dogs, wrestling in a tiny ring, and 
I'm all for it. I mean, I think I'm just going to skip right over Night 2 of Fighter Fest, and I'm going to tune in to the Puppy Battle Royale, which is immediately following uh, Fighter Fest Night 2. So stay tuned tonight at, I believe it will be 9 Central. It should be starting. Uh, tune in to TNT. I, I really think this is the epitome of wrestling, and I really look forward to Matt's review of the Puppy Battle Royale next week. If this loses to NXT, I don't know who I'm going to go after, but I'm going after somebody. Uh, probably Kevin Dunn. <laughs> probably. But the, uh, listen, I need this in my life because, as I said, uh, work has been crazy for me the last couple of weeks. And uh, uh, not, not only that, but I just got done playing uh, Last of Us Part 2, which I've been waiting for for nearly seven years. And my God, that game's really heavy, and I killed a lot of dogs. Uh, I, I, I hit them with arrows, burned them with Molotovs. It, it was very hard to go through, especially somebody like me who loves animals. So this is just what I need. I need a puppy battle royal. I need to see some cute puppies uh, just toss each other over the top rope, obviously just in the name of competition. So no, uh, no hard feelings here and no bad blood between these puppies, but... Uh, yeah, this level of cuteness is something I need in my life, so I will definitely be tuning in to watch this. Yeah, I'm about halfway through The Last of Us Part 1, and uh, I think from now on when I play, I'm just going to put the Puppy Battle Royale on loop on the other screen to keep me from having a breakdown, because that that game is pretty heavy. But this is not a Last of Us uh, podcast, although we may have one here in the near future. This is this is a wrestling podcast. <laughs> we'll get back into it. And not Let's a puppy see. podcast either. Uh, well, this is puppy wrestling, so yes. let's be fair. This is this is what wrestling's about. That's how we bridge the gap. <laughs> we got a new puppy uh, podcast coming out. Uh, yeah, that's right. Puppy, puppy Life right. Radio. It's a puppy, puppy Life Radio. That's right. <laughs> uh, man, that's that that'll get way more views than we do. I'm pretty sure uh, Stephanie and Riley would definitely host that show. Uh, they can they can go they can go for it. You can get uh, you can get my dogs wrestling on there. I'm sure your dogs have plenty of matches going on in the house at any given time. Uh, I think Luna is it Luna? I think she might win. Yeah, she's she, the big she one. yeah she's a big <laughs> one. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, after that, speaking of big dogs and little dogs, we have Joey Janela and Lance Archer getting involved in the scuffle outside the ring. And uh, yeah, it's it's been announced that next week at Fighter Fest Part Two. Joey Janela versus Lance Archer. So RIP Joey Janela. Also, I, I will say Hi. I gave plenty of crap uh, last week to WWE. I was uh, I, I saw this clip online and I was sorely like I was just could not believe that after this pull apart brawl, like nobody was wearing a mask. Like I mean, as we'll say, I think it was on the show. Didn't isn't this a show that where Taz calls out WWE for being like sloppy or whatever with their mask policy. Yeah. Well, I think it's a little different because literally everybody there has been tested for COVID when they come in. That's true. So at least they've been, they have been tested, but I mean, they had a battle Royale during the whole COVID thing. Yeah. Was it a battle Royale? It wasn't a battle Royale. It was uh, the lumberjack match. Yes. Um, So you can kind of fault them for that, but everybody is tested and they've yet to have one positive test. At least it's been publicized. So, I don't know. I, I hate to be easier on AEW, but it just gosh, how, they just they're the good guys. They're miles <laughs> and miles ahead of WWE for sure. I just want yeah, to they're actually out. doing something. Yes, which you know. I well, mean, WWE is now doing something, but we'll get into that. 
we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, After that, uh, Joey Janela, Lance Archer scuffle, we had a video hyping up Sheeta versus Ford. Uh, It was a very good package, and spoiler alert, very good match. Uh, I will say this is one of the best women's match I've seen on AEW TV. And I know, you may say, that's not saying a whole lot. It's true, it's not. But it was a very good match. It really was. Uh, I heard it was match of the night, or like... Arguably the match of the night. It was it was close. I really like Best Friends versus Hangman, but that's just yeah. they're, they're two of my favorites. Um, so I think disconnected just based on the wrestling. It's very possible it was. Um, it started out with Sheeta, Ford, and Sabian. They all arrive at the ring, and immediately, what I was hoping would come true does. Kip is ejected for being a giant duty head. <laughs> Uh, he gets in the ring and he starts shoving and pushing Sheeta. And for a second there, I thought that Sheeta was going to lay him out. Uh, I was very glad this match was f- supposed to be free from shenanigans. Um, but as he left, he took Sheeta's kendo stick with him. And, well, I just had a bad feeling about that, and we'll get into it. Uh, I will say that Penelope Ford looked very good in this match. She really showed off her athleticism. And you can definitely see that she's growing as a great star for the AEW Women's Division. Uh, she maintained, she actually maintained control for most of the match. And uh, she even hit uh, Sheeta with a stunner at one point for like a 2.99 count. It was super close. I'm glad they didn't botch it because it, it had me on the edge of my seat. It really did. Yeah. Which is what a good wrestling match does. Um, at one point, Penelope Ford goes outside of the ring for the belt. Because I guess she knows that this is AEW and you don't get DQ'd, so why not just knock Sheeta over the head with it? <laughs> um, I, I guess really this was all supposed to just be a distraction so the real star of the show could come in. That's right, Kip Sabian. He could come out uh, for his limelight. He runs into the ring with, his, with the kendo stick. He attempts to hit Sheeta. And instead, she just lays him out. She punches him, just knocks him out. She then gets the kendo stick and, like, breaks it over his back. It was great. Uh, I didn't love the the interference. I really wish it would have just been a straightforward match. But it made Sheeta look really strong. So I can't entirely fault them for that. She stood her ground, and uh, she got her kendo stick back. Although it's a little worse for the wear now. I mean, as long as it doesn't play into the finish and, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's not, like... Completely forced in there. I mean, we knew that Kip Sabian was going to be involved in some sort. So if they're going to do it, I think this is the right way to do it. Yeah, if they were going to do it, that was the best way, I think, for them to handle it, probably. But I think the best way would probably just been for Ford to lose because Kip wasn't there. And uh, maybe stretch it out a little bit longer because she really needs Kip to win. I don't know. Either way, it was was good. Uh, But Penelope Ford took advantage of this distraction. Uh, you heard the giant wallop of the kendo stick, and she drops the belt, comes into the ring, and hits Sheeta with yet another stunner. But Sheeta was able to kick out again, just really close to three. Um, after that, Hikaru Sheeta regained control, and she hit Penelope Ford with a falcon arrow. And to everyone's surprise, Ford actually kicked out of the falcon arrow. Uh, nobody kicks out of the falcon arrow. Yeah. So really surprised that she did. Uh, Sheeta was, was then just was like savage. She just went crazy. She hits Ford with three or four of her signature knees and got the one, two, three, and she retains. Yeah, this was a really good match. I think I could have done without the, the distractions, but 
I don't think it really took away from the match, really. It was just, it would have been just perfect without it, in my opinion. All right. And uh, now we're going to get for the to the real main event of the evening. We know you didn't care about Sheeta or Ford. You didn't care about Best Friends or Kenny or Hangman or even the puppies, for that matter. The real main event of the evening, the one that I, I foresaw to be the best match of the night, Cody versus Hager. <laughs> now, hey, Will now, we... I, I heard this match was pretty good. You heard wrong. What? I, you, so, well, tell, tell me about sure... it. I, I, in fairness, I did not watch this match, so I can't say for sure. But I'm sure you're thinking that I'm biased, and I'm sure many of you out there did enjoy this match. Okay. And that's okay because one of the best qualities in a person, I feel, is when they can learn from their mistakes. <laughs> so I went into this well aware that Cody would have to be carrying the brunt of the weight in this match, right? If he wanted to keep it exciting, Cody's going to have to carry the weight because Jake is a boring person. But as of late, I haven't been the biggest fan of Cody in the ring because it tends to be a bit overbooked and underwhelming. And okay. it all feels to be an attempt at being special. And this match is just the epitome of that to me. Um, the match started out pretty pretty strong with Hager. I mean, he was just rolling over Cody. Uh, Cody tried a single leg takedown, but obviously that wasn't going to take Jake Hager down. He's a huge dude. Uh, they did one cool spot where they had back-to-back ankle lock submissions on each other, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, at one point, of course, the ringside, Arn got involved. Hager starts going after Arn. Cody dove over the top rope to cut him off, but Hager managed to catch him like mid, mid-flight, slammed into the ground, which, yes, was a cool spot, but we're getting into Cody territory where the ringside person's always getting involved. And it's not even just Cody territory. It's AEW territory. Maybe it's just wrestling territory. I don't know. But come on, if you're Tony Khan and you're trying to say this is a real sport, leave the people away from the ringside. It's always a problem. I mean, not only, not only that, allowing people at ringside, and, and not only that, the match before this, if I'm not mistaken, had somebody immediately ejected because they were clearly going to cause a ruckus in this title match. So it is a little uh, odd that the very next match. Yeah, I mean, as as well. and not only that, Hager's wife was at ringside for some let, reason. They didn't even let Kip Sabian try and interfere. They just like, ah, oh, get out of here. Maybe he still did. Oh, yeah, and true. It was they, they obviously tried. noticeable by the ref because you don't miss the sound of a kendo stick being slammed against someone's back. Whacked. But I don't know. I guess, I guess Aubrey thought, well, Sheeta's got it under control. I won't intervene because Sheeta did have it under control. Uh, but yeah, you had Hager's wife at ringside. Cody's was not. I, I would believe Brandy was probably supposed to be there, but unfortunately one of their dogs did pass away, so I believe she left early. Oh, I didn't know that. It's sad. See that. Yeah, it's really sad. They're a little Pomeranian. Uh, Colby Jack, I think it was. Uh, he's been on BTE a lot. Really cute little dog. Sad to hear that. Um, my faults are with Cody and not the the Puppy Roads. Uh, I love all the, all the cheese dogs and uh, all the pharaohs. They're all great. Uh, but the, the booking of this match is what I have my problem with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, of course, Hager's wife got involved. 
she slapped Cody in the face at one point, and right after she did it, you could tell she was like, oh, crap, I just slapped the snot out of the EVP of my husband's company because she, like, <laughs> recoiled back. I guess she was trying to pull it, but she did not. Um, and after that, guess what? We got another run-in. Dustin Rhodes comes in to defend his brother against this 90-pound woman. Maybe this was a spot originally designed for Brandy, and they just found the nearest roads they could find and threw him in there. But it's just dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. Arn was already there. If you're going to have somebody interfere, just have him interfere. It doesn't have to be an entire gaggle of the Nightmare family every time Cody has a match. Dustin came in. I think he hit Hager with a low blow. And this is what allowed Cody to regain the upper hand. Um, but he lost the upper hand when Hager went for a submission on Cody, but Cody, air quotes, countered it into a pin. And, uh, sorry, as the ref is counting, I, I'm going over this match and I just threw it in my mouth a little bit. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> as as the ref is counting. In fairness, it was a little complicated from what, from what I heard about, like, I heard about the buildup of like what actually happened in the end and like the result of it. And it was, yeah. I mean, even the press conference leading up to this match was overbooked. It's amazing. <laughs> Everything Cody touches, is just overbook, overbook. Yeah. So the referee's counting one, two, three, and I'm baffled as to what's even going on because Hager has Cody in a submission. Yes. He's on his back, his shoulders against the mat. I, I get it. I get that that's technically a pin, right? Cody's out. Cody's knocked out. He's not in control. Right. So Hager is in control. He hears the ref counting to three. After the three count, Hager then hears Cody's music playing. And what did he do? He cheers. He won the match, obviously, because the ref just counted to three while his back's on the mat. Cody's music's playing. I mean, I've heard of dumb baby faces, but come on, man. This is the dumbest heel move I've ever seen. And some of the dumbest booking. It's just like we go back to the Darby Allen match where Cody reversed the coffin drop into a pin. It's just stupid. It was a stupid match. It was stupid booking. I mean, yeah, like the actual wrestling of the match was okay for a Hager versus Cody match. It's good. Step in the right direction. It's a little better than what I would have expected from Hager. I mean, Cody has some amateur amateur background. Uh, I think he was state champ. Hager obviously has a lot of MMA background. And it was better than most of what I've seen from Hager. But it's still worse than what you see from most of the AEW roster. I just don't know what Hager really offers the roster. I guess he's trying to fill that Brock Lesnar uh, niche of being a big guy that's not very good at wrestling. I don't know. I don't know what they're... <laughs> I don't know what they're going for, but yeah, it was overbooked, overdone, and underwhelming, which is the normal for Cody lately. Yeah, and if you if you got a guy in a chokehold and you start hearing the ref counting a pin, you should probably get your shoulder up. I would think so. <laughs> I mean, I would think that would be the smart thing to do, but I guess Jake Hager's just a big dumb heel. Yeah, I mean, clearly they're leaving it open for. Uh, I mean, Hager. From from what I hear, he, he threw a fit after the match, and you know, claimed that Cody was out, and that he thought he had won the match. And uh, yeah, I, he I hit a ref at one point. Uh, yeah, and which, he, uh, he's got him suspended. suspended. Yeah, so. for 
a whopping 10 days, which is one week of programming. So he won't be there for Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. The inner circle just falling apart. First Sammy and now Jake getting suspended. So, But wait, there's more. Yes. After that match, we have what I feel like is the least anticipated match of the night, for the general public at least, Hager and Cody for me, obviously. Right. Uh, but that is Proud and Powerful versus the Private Party. The PP versus the PP. Who is the better PP of the two? With Matt, we'll with Matt Hardy. With Matt Hardy. Matt, Hardy, Matt, Matt Hardy. Hardy surrounded by PP. <laughs> I'm not telling Matt about this because I don't want him to edit this out. Uh, we he'll just listen. If he edits this out. I'll quit the show. I'm done. <laughs> done. Uh, we also see Orange Cassidy come out to the commentator's desk, which allowed for some great quips from Jericho. I'm not really going to go over this match too much. We're already 30 minutes in the show. It seemed like a filler match, really. I believe this was probably originally supposed to be Sammy and Proud and Powerful versus Private Party and Matt Hardy. Um, this and without that buildup in the story, the match just didn't hold a lot of weight for me. Right. I didn't care who won, really. Um, it it just it was just four guys out there wrestling. Um, the star of the match for me, or the stars, I should say, were Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho because the back and forth. I, I say back and forth. The fourth and fourth from Jericho was great because Orange Cassidy just sat there. And Excalibur even exclaimed, he was like, he's not done anything. And Chris Jericho's like, I know, I hate it. He's awful. I was like, he just, he just sat there. Um, but this wasn't a bad match by any means. It was just perfectly average. Um, Private Party managed to win after a combination of double team moves. So another loss from the Inner Circle. And this brings back up the question I think we've asked before. Does the Inner Circle lose too much? I don't know. I mean, I personally would have put Proud and Powerful over Private Party. I think in kayfabe they're stronger. As actual wrestlers, they're stronger. And uh, I think it would have made for a much better main event for next week because as we see, Private Party is now the number one contender for the tag titles and will be facing Hangman and Kenny for the belts next week. Uh, as I assume, since that was since John Moxley is unable to defend his title, that's what we're getting. Uh, it's not actually going to main event, I don't think. I think Orange Cassidy versus Jericho is going to main event, which is smart. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I just don't feel like Private Party is deserving of a title shot in kayfabe or out, really. I haven't been entirely impressed. They're, uh, I guess it was their comeback show. They were out for a while, but their their pre-show match with on Double or Nothing was just bad. And I just, I'm, I've never been too impressed with them. But we'll, we'll see how the match next week goes. Uh, Kenny and Hangman can pull a good match from just about anybody, it seems. So we'll see how that goes. Right. Uh, after that, we see Taz coming out with Brian Cage, and he just cuts a scathing promo. Really good promo from Taz. I know I was kind of hating on him a couple weeks ago, but I think he's really gotten in the groove here lately with AEW. But even more, though, I mean, this was a scathing promo on Moxley. He was calling him a wuss for, you know, backing out of the show uh, next week because, obviously, as you know, Renee uh, tested positive for coronavirus. John Moxley has tested negative twice, as Taz has stated. But uh, just for the safety of everyone involved and the fact he doesn't really want to leave his wife, they're not having the main event next week, which I think is good on AEW personally. Yeah, um, yeah, he's tested negative, but we really don't know how this virus works still. Um, I think it's better for the safety of everyone that he does stay home. Uh, and the fact that Tony Khan would go behind his main event star in staying home on a, a big night uh, that they're undoubtedly, undoubtedly going to lose. 
to NXT. Uh, I think that's a, a good move on his part. Uh, putting putting his people before one week's worth of ratings, uh, I think is a, a good move as, as a CEO. Uh, but Taz starts going in on, on WWE saying that, you know, John Moxley, you tested twice, both times came back negative, and you would be tested again upon entering the arena because, as we all know, AEW does not run a, sh- a sloppy shop like some other some <laughs> other brand. Oh, you're about to throw in another word of your own there. <laughs> uh, this this obviously a jab at the 30-plus positive coronavirus test that, a- uh, that WWE has had recently. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, was a pretty good promo by Taz, and it, it got me even more hyped for the Brian Cage versus John Moxley fight, which is going to happen at Fight for the Fallen, which is going to be in two weeks. So we've got another star-studded, I guess, uh, pay-per-view level TV show coming up in a few weeks because uh, they got to move the storyline along. I also uh, heard uh, several people at WWE were not happy about the Taz's. Uh, I would think that they would be very happy with that. I mean, it doesn't paint them in a bad light at all <laughs> from a former employee. Yeah, but I mean, they really have nobody to blame but themselves. I mean, my what God. do you do? I mean, it's it's like you get, I don't know, caught committing a crime and they get mad because the police show up. It's just like, I, I mean, you did it, yeah. so take the blame. Yep. Uh, I mean, you can't expect the competition you not to make call it. us out on running a sloppy shop. I mean, it, they they could have, and they didn't even say we don't run a sloppy shop like some other people. They just said we don't run a sloppy shop, and then the rest of us put it together. Because we all know who's actually running a sloppy shop. We know who really is sloppy, and the, the the general audience may not even know anything about the coronavirus happenings of WWE because they're for sure not going to mention it. So. It was really just an end for for us that uh, really, I guess, the marks, you would say. Uh, But after that, we have the main event of the evening. And this is the match I was most looking forward to for the night uh, because it's between two of my favorite tag teams, as I said earlier. The Best Friends (laughs) versus Kenny and Hangman. And the Best Friends came in with what might be. Was it a truck? It might be the best wrestling entrance of all time. What was it a uh, was it Cody's truck or was it was it the uh, FDR vehicle? It was not a big jacked up black ops truck hitting a barrier. It was not a classic Chevrolet truck like FTR. The best friends don't mess around. No. Their theme music hits and in rolls what looks to be a 2017 or maybe a 2018 Honda odyssey minivan and this thing is pimped out with like 16 inch rims and it is chauffeured by none other rims or hubcaps uh don't call them out kyle (laughs) they're chauffeured in by none other than sue that's right trent and chuck don't mess around they're not driving themselves around no no they get trent's mom to carry that burden for them this was so good I wish I mean, there would have been fans there for this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's it's the best. Sue now has her own shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah, I would imagine. So be sure yeah. to check it out. <laughs> She's been featured on BTE now. She is the rising star for AEW, if we're being honest. Um, Chuck and Trent, they get out of the van. 
they they click the little button so the door will automatically close behind them, which I thought was really cool. Uh, they're mean mugging the camera, looking like they're just ready to fight. And Trent's mom yells out, Greggy, which is Trent's Christian name. And Trent turns around, and like a good son, he gives his mom a hug, and she gives him a kiss on the cheek, and she says, have fun, boys. And they make their way to the ring. This is peak wrestling. I mean, you can keep your Stone Colds, your Hulk Hogan, your macho man. This is what wrestling is supposed to look This is peak performance, people. Take note, WWE. Minivans, mothers, this is it. This is what gets the ratings. Uh, yeah, actually, what have made it better is Orange Cassidy riding shotgun with uh, Trent's mom. Would have been hilarious. That would have been that would have been really cool. They should <laughs> they should make a bit where Orange Cassidy is hitting on Trent's mom. Oh my gosh, that would be so good. Or just blowing her off and she's chasing him. Yeah, she should be chasing after him. <laughs> oh, and then bring Vicky into it. Yes, this is. I'm already I'm writing your shows for you, Tony. Just hit me up, Wrestle Life Radio on Facebook. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that FTR has now joined the commentator desk. They've got some lawn chairs and some cold beverages set up. They give one out to each of the commentators. Jarrah's like, well, I am working, but ah, we've only got one more match and <laughs> starts drinking and it's great. Um, this is a WWE 2K panel. It really is. It really is. Uh, <laughs> this was... Eh, I don't. I don't think Jr. was drunk on that though. If I'm being honest, I think he was just. Uh, no, no, no. He wasn't. But... Ric Flair though. <laughs> yeah, we were slammed. He was slammed, but that's that's the best thing that could happen to Jr. Because now we've got him. We got him at AEW. Yeah, this was a really good tag team bout, in my opinion. Uh, I went into this match really not sure who would come up with the titles, and yet it seems like a bit of bad timing for Hangman and Kenny to lose it, but. Man, if anybody deserves the belts right now, it's the best friends. I mean, they've done so well in these coronavirus uh, shows, the NBA arena shows, I guess you could call them. And this match did a really good job of playing me for the mark that I am. I mean, it, it had some really good near falls. You had your pile drivers, your awful waffles. It was just great to watch. Uh, go watch it if you haven't. It really was good. Um, I will say, Hangman was able to take up the win. On Trent, he hit him with a buckshot lariat and ended the long back and forth between the two. Uh, but let's be honest, I really just hope that it, they had fun. That's that's what really I think could come out of this. I hope that that that, that Greggy had a good time playing with his friends. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I hope they, they, they didn't scrape their knees or anything because that would have been awful. Uh, what's what's really important to talk about, though, is, is after the match, FTR comes to the ring. To offer Hangman his what was usual after after match drink, and I'll be honest, I don't drink. I don't really care about drinking. It doesn't really matter to me. But it was good to see my man Hangman get his after drink or after match alcohol. I mean, it's it's just it was it was just like it was like two friends had finally been reunited. It was great. And Trent's mom's the DD, so you know it's it's fun. Yeah, I mean she can take them all in their minivans. There's plenty of storage, plenty of room. There's three rows, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, they also offered a drink to Kenny, which, in the young bucks' words, he doesn't do alcohol. And uh, Kenny, for some reason, he took the drink from him, and then he just like poured it out onto the ground on the ringside area, and like. What are you doing, Kenny? Your whole gimmick is you're the cleaner 
And now you're going to make this huge mess that all these stagehands have to come and clean up all this sticky residue on the mat outside. Not cool, bro. Not cool. And I guess FTR and Hangman also felt as I did that it was not cool for Kenny to be so rude and litter the outside area with alcohol because they all got very cross with him, very upset. And obviously I'm joking around, but Kenny did pour out the beer. Uh, I would assume because of the jabs that FDR has been making at Kenny and Hangman and the Bucks as well. Um, but this whole segment felt kind of dumb, really, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like they were creating controversy. And, and I know Hangman enjoys his beer, and surely he would accept a beer from dang near anyone after, after a match, as we've seen before. But I just don't understand why Hangman, for one, is upset at Kenny for pouring, pouring out a beer. I mean, surely FTR knows he doesn't drink. Surely Hangman knows that FTR has been bad-mouthing them on Dynamite, saying they aren't a real tag team. But I guess they just use this to bring back tension between Omega and Paige. And I'm just I'm not cool with that, guys. Do better. Do better in your storytelling. Uh, I will say that it appears as if Kenny and Hangman have patched things up. On the most recent BTE, Kenny apologized, saying that he should have just offered the drink to Adam instead. That's, which you know that's probably really what it was. He's like, dude, I'll drink it. You ain't gotta waste it. Yeah, but then and then the Bucks came out, and it was it was a whole thing. Yeah. It just felt like a little bit forced. I don't know. And, and I, would, I would imagine FTR. I mean, we kind of discussed this in our uh, preview, uh, Matt and I last week. We would imagine FTR and Young Bucks. At least I, I feel like some team has got to go to the dark side in this feud because uh, I just don't see. I would, I would imagine they're going to wait until the fans are back before they have this match, or they at least want to try and get. Them. I don't think I, I don't know if they got that kind of time, Kyle. <laughs> But uh, I, I I would at least rather see FTR go to you know be in back be the bad guys. I mean they're the outsiders of this company. Uh, I just don't see why they've been you know portrayed kind of as baby faces. And I would imagine they're going to have some kind of uh, shenanigans going on when they team with Young Bucks. Uh, yeah, I don't really feel like they've been categorized as anything yet. They're just kind of there. Um, they've done some heel stuff in the matches. I mean, feigning injury. They played the heel in the match matches a couple times, but right. in kayfabe, they're just kind of. It seems like they're kind of feeling everybody out, you know, yeah. which is probably a smart thing to do when you come into a company. You don't want to immediately reveal who you actually are. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's a good idea. But yeah, I would say if we uh, overall, I think this would have been a very good dynamite, but it was a little short of pay per view quality which is what they've been pushing it as, and I know it's still free TV, and I'll judge it as free TV, but they were pushing it as pay-per-view quality. It wasn't quite there for me, but obviously it never never really will be. Um, but overall, basing this as a TV uh, dynamite, I would say this episode gets a B plus. Okay. Uh, probably would have gotten an A plus if it wasn't for Cody and Hager being there, <laughs> uh, for being honest. Yeah. But yeah, B, B plus, I think that's that's pretty fair fair rating for it. And looking forward to next week with Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. And then the other matches that also happened that night, but mainly just Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. For sure. And the puppy bowl. Don't forget. The puppy bowl. That's right. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna record both of them, watch Orange Cassidy versus Jericho, and then skip right to the puppy bowl. Uh I'm hoping uh there's an Orange Cassidy puppy in the Battle Royal, but Oh, that'd be great if they got like a really lazy dog just to lay there. 
Well, most puppies are pretty lazy, so I would imagine it would not be hard to find. They just kind That's of true. sleep, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have fighter the the rest of fighter fest coming up as we said um, tonight. If you're listening to this now, uh, for us is tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the last night as well. Um, I need to go back and watch night one because I did hear a lot of good things about it. Um, and I, yeah, you can you can watch it. Just skip over Cody versus Hager, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I gotta watch the overbook stuff, so. Uh, I mean, you're welcome to watch it, but you can see what not to do in a wrestling match. Yeah. But uh, SmackDown or Raw this week, uh, I got to be honest, everybody. I mean, we're, we're, we're pretty uh, transparent on the show, and, and I've already informed Mike. I did not watch these shows. Uh, they were – I had a very long week with uh, my job. I've got another long week ahead of me. Not necessarily bad, but just very busy. Um I'm a graphic designer and we are working on a, like a rebrand project or a uh, determining our brand of this uh, company I work for. So a very big week for us. So uh, plus with the holiday coming up and everything, I just didn't watch wrestling. Uh, I I did go back and watch the highlights of the show, but uh, I'm going to do my best to at least inform you guys of what happened on the shows. I won't be giving them a rating because that would not be fair, but I did have some problems with what I did see and uh, some of the stuff that came out of these shows because uh, yeah, they weren't the best. Um, and it's just like a little confusing because we had two creative directors. They got rid of one, obviously in Paul Heyman. And I feel like, like Raw was go, it was going just fine. It was like never bad. It was usually like pretty decient for a three hour. Really, for being honest. And honestly, SmackDown was as well. I thought, I mean, there were some weeks that were kind of not great, but they, they would still be able to do their, you know, typical good show or, you know, every once in a while. So it was, I felt like that was a good mix. And uh, I feel like they really screwed the pooch by, uh, you know, and, you know, not to say anything bad about the puppy bowl. This is totally unrelated to that, but it, it's just not been great as of late. So uh, I'll try to get to these reviews and just kind of give my opinion on some of the stuff that happened. Obviously I didn't watch the entirety of every match. Uh, some of the stuff that I heard about on the show that I thought was good, though, I, I had to make sure I went back and watched because um, there was some good on these shows. But uh, we'll start off with SmackDown, of course, as always. We had a Matt Riddle interview to start off the show uh, with uh, Michael Cole in the ring with him. And this is, from what I saw, it's basically exactly what I feared with Matt Riddle. He's just like given a script and he's he said bro like a hundred times. Uh, they talked about his feet. That's his whole gimmick, Kyle. <laughs> like, it's, it's, he it's, says bro a lot and he's barefoot. That's his thing. But just let him be Matt Riddle is, is my thing. Like they can't they can't go over the fact that he smokes weed all the time on TV. So yeah, and they just they have to remind you that this guy does not wear shoes, and there's a reason why. Like he he went into like an explanation of why he doesn't wear feet. Like, it's just ridiculous. He, he talked about, like, he, he's been, like, you know, barefoot his whole life. Uh, it's made his feet stronger. He said he, you know, he lived in Wisconsin, and he used to run out and put his feet in the snow. And then he said he said one day he got frostbite and never decided, he decided to never wear shoes again and said that his that like, feet. That seems like the wrong decision. <laughs> and apparently made his feet stronger somehow. I don't know. It was stupid. This sounds really dumb. It is. And it's just And I will say that I've heard that Vince McMahon loved this promo. Just 
I, I, listen, Matt, Matt Riddle, the day he went and met Vince McMahon to like basically to, you know, sign with WWE, he went in with a suit and flip flops. Like the dude does not wear shoes for real. Like it's not a, you know, it's not a gimmick. The dude wears flip flops, but WWE just has to like put a story behind it. it has to drive it home. Look at this guy. Well, you know, he doesn't wear shoes. Like they say, take your personality and turn it up to 11. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. Like, just let him go out there and be Matt Riddle. I mean, he's going to be weird. That's kind of his thing. But having him like try and like he flubbed some words like because he's trying to say this script and all this. And it's just bad. It's not good. Uh, it's not organic. And that's really the appeal of Matt Riddle. It's weird. It's goofy. But it's always organic because he's Matt Riddle. And they they did a, a video of like the SmackDown fallout uh, like after his debut. And it was so nice. Like he just talked. It was like a UFC like post-show interview style and he's talked and it was great, but no, he's got to come out here and talk about his frostbite feet, but whatever. Anyway, Corbin comes out, interrupts him, mocks Matt Riddle, calls him an idiot. Basically. Uh, he was furious that uh, Riddle jumped him last week. So uh, he's going to teach Riddle a lesson. Uh, and basically was just kept making, making fun of uh, Riddle, but, Instead of Corbin, we got uh, John Morrison as his opponent. And I'm actually very glad because they actually did have a really good match. Uh, I, I did watch this match. Um, Corbin was actually on the outside. Uh, he joined commentary for a while and then jumped off and was like cheerleader for a while. And this this is a prime example of why I kind of want Morrison to break away from the Miz because they have been very, ta- you know, very entertaining and Morrison's definitely talented, but I mean, this guy is a star and he could be a great singles wrestler because he and Matt Riddle, I mean, he almost outshined Matt Riddle in this match. Uh, They had a fantastic match, very back and forth, like Matt-based wrestling. Uh, Like Riddle's going for knee bars uh, the whole time. Like they just a hard-hitting match. Uh, Morris was just fantastic as always. And basically the end came. uh, Riddle basically had uh, locked the bro mission on Morrison. He was able to make it to the ropes. Uh, they fought at the top turnbuckle. Morrison hit a Spanish fly. Uh, they kept trading shots. Riddle hit him with a jumping knee. Riddle hit a power bomb and, and then uh, basically hit a running knee, got a two count. Miz jumped up on the apron, but Riddle was able to knock him off. Uh, then Corbin got up on the apron. Riddle knocked him off again. Morrison rolled up Riddle, but Riddle was able to recover. He rolled up Morrison in a splatel is what it's called. It's like a amateur wrestling move. And that's not a real thing. It is. And uh, Michael Cole shouted, he got it with a splatel. And I was like, somebody told Michael Cole this was going to happen. Michael Cole didn't know what a splatel was. No idea. Uh, yeah. So, but it was, it was awesome. He, he just rolled him up in a an old fashioned amateur wrestling pin and Matt Riddle got the win here. So it was a really good match. I, I think, Morrison outshine Riddle a little bit, but it was still a great match with these two. So uh, I'm hoping it's usually about three weeks when we find out if Vince is tired with somebody or not, or he kind of kills their push. So uh, this Friday, we'll see how Matt Riddle does. But uh, if he goes nowhere and, you know, the shoe thing or the feet thing doesn't catch on and Vince gets tired, I'm at least hoping he gives Morrison a push because, man, this guy is great as well. But Riddle, after he wins, he's going up the ramp. AJ Styles comes out and jumps him from behind, which brings Drew Gulak out, and he jumps Styles from behind, uh, which obviously we have AJ versus Drew 
coming up next. So that basically leads straight into this. We did get uh, Sarah in the back who approached Corbin, Miz, and Morrison. And uh, basically, uh, he was furious at Riddle and prompts to do something about it. Then we had AJ versus Drew Gulak. Uh, wasn't a bad match, but obviously Drew got a win over AJ Styles before he won the Intercontinental Championship. And this felt like a glorified squash match. Like, Styles basically just dominated the dude the entire time. And I guess the story of the last match was that he was kind of dominating and he let his ego get the best of him. Uh, that didn't happen here. His ego was justified. Uh, but also what was weird about this is Daniel Bryan joined in on Zoom during the match to give his thoughts. And he kept talking about how Gulak uh, like tried to get him in knee bars and stuff. And that he's like one of the best technicians he knows and all this stuff. But Gulak didn't do any of that here. He just got the snot beat out of him, basically. And uh, he got a little bit of control at one point. Um, he, he tried to go for like a, a powerbomb in the corner, I believe, or tried to get Styles in the corner. But Styles was able to uh, drop him face first in the turnbuckle. Uh, and then, um, or no, he dropped Styles face for the turnbuckle, I'm sorry. And Gulak uh, hit like a Michinoku driver on him again. But then they went to the turnbuckle. Uh, Styles slipped out, hit Gulak face first, followed up with Styles class. But he didn't go for the pin. He picked him up. He was basically knocked out, put him on the ropes, and then went on the outside, hit the phenomenal forum, and got the win. So he's done with Drew Gulak. Uh, yeah, it, it was fine for what it was, but uh, still kind of a squash match. Like, Gulak didn't get you know, a whole lot in this match. There when you said Drew versus AJ, I thought we were getting Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles. And I was like, man, I might watch this match. Drew <laughs> uh, Gulak versus AJ Styles again. Yeah. And so. he's just, he got beat. So uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know when Brian's going to be back, if he's going to be back, uh, especially with all this uh, COVID stuff going on. But uh, we will see. But he was there for Zoom, and we'll we'll see more of that later. But we had next a Bailey and Sasha promo. Uh, it's basically a video package where they just talked about how great they were. They had, like, nicknames for each themselves. Uh, Bailey was the role model. Uh, no, she was not. She was the R-O-L-E model, not the R-O-L-L like Britt Baker is. But uh, they might have to go into Imposter. litigation over this nickname. Imposter. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's all for Chris Jericho. So. Yeah. And also, of course, we had Banks, who is like the blueprint. And she had like a bunch of nicknames or whatever. It was basically like a – it's clearly meant to be like a Bailey and Sasha made this video or something or had it made. Uh, they noted that like – um, like uh, Sasha called Bailey better than John Cena, Trish and Lita, which I don't know whether you put those three together, but whatever. And uh, you know, they just hyped themselves up. So then after this, they came out to the ring and they were, you know, celebrating themselves some more when Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross interrupted They made their way to the ring. They start mocking them, say they have a list of their accomplishments they want to talk about. And they just list off like these crazy, like ridiculous accomplishments like Nikki Cross is like the 325th, I think was the number in line for the throne of Scotland or wherever she's from. And uh, it's just dumb. And Alexa, they gave some facts for her. They get in the ring. They're like, see, see how ridiculous that is. That's how you guys sound like that just didn't care. So basically uh, this played off of what had been happening with uh, Bailey and Sasha as of late, where, Normally, Bailey throws uh, Sasha into the fire and gets her put into a match, but 
Bailey actually got in Bliss's face and was laughing at her when uh, Nikki talked about uh, having the heart to win the SmackDown Women's Championships as they were laughing in their faces, basically. And Alexa slapped Bailey. And so Sasha says, you know what? If you're going to be like that, Bailey, you can you take her on right now and show her. So uh, Sasha basically created Alexa versus um, Bailey for this match. Uh, Bailey also not in ring gear, so she's just like in her street clothes. It was a very basic match. They kept it pretty short. Uh, but the bad thing about this was the ending. Uh, so Alexa is getting beat by Bailey. Bailey's like working on her arm, working on her hand. She's like twisting her arm and stuff and, you know, beating up on Alexa. Uh, Sasha gets involved at some point and Nikki runs over and knocks her down for, for getting involved. The referee's like telling her, Hey, watch it or whatever. And then Bailey, who is beating up on Alexa to the point where she just leaves her there. And Alexa just like sits there holding her arm. Cause she's in so much pain. Bailey goes over, like gets outside the ropes and yells at, at Nikki cross to which Nikki, punches her and causes a DQ. So the winner by disqualification is Bailey, but it doesn't end there because Nikki gets in the ring. She tackles Bailey, starts beating her up, goes to hit a bulldog on her, but Sasha grabs Bailey's ankles, slides her out of the ring and saves her. So they're both on the ground on the outside. Nikki stands tall, but Alexa is like still sitting there and like holding her arm and clearly in pain from getting destroyed by Bailey. And Alexa's music plays. And I'm like, what? Why? She lost. <laughs> like, not, not only did she lose, her friend cost her the match. And she's just like, okay with it. So she gets up and she's like, sweet, whatever. And spoiler alert, next week we're going to get a tag match. I don't think it's for the titles, thankfully. But it, still, we're going to get Sasha and Bailey versus Nikki and Alexa. So, okay. It was just weird. <laughs> like, the whole situation. Um, just a crappy ending to the match, but it's whatever. We're going to get a tag match next week. So after this, we had the Wyatt Swamp Fight preview, which is obviously Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt, basically talking about how Strowman is going to take the fight to Bray Wyatt and go fight him on the Swamp. This is obviously going to be a filmed like set piece video similar to the uh, um, Boneyard match type deal. So we'll see how it is. Maybe it's not as crazy as like the John Cena Firefly Funhouse match, but who knows? Uh, after this, we got Shinsuke Nakamura versus Kofi Kingston. This was a really good match and uh, should have ended the show. Uh, the only, not really a negative, but it was just kind of weird, I guess. The end of the match, basically. Nakamura missed a Kinshasa attempt. Kofi went for the SOS. Uh, hit it and got a yeah, near fall. Uh, Nakamura was able to kind of regain the advantage. But Kofi hit a double foot stomp for another near fall. So Kofi was like in control. He goes for Tobin Paradise, but Nakamura avoided it. Uh, and he just hit a Kinshasa. Like Kofi was like on his knees and it wasn't like a normal setup. It, it was a quick Kinshasa, which was cool. But Michael Cole in commentary just called it a knee strike. So, it, I mean, after the fact, I was like, well, clearly that was the finish, but they didn't call it right. So it just kind of finished awkward. So Cole like misses, I mean, he, he knows what Splatel is, but doesn't know what uh, Kinshasa is. So whatever. Uh, so it just kind of, cause he, Nakamura does hit knee strikes from other positions and doesn't finish his opponents with him. So I don't know. It just kind of caught me off guard, but still a really good match between these two. Obviously we're going towards a tag match. 
So after the match, Cesaro makes his way down to the ring. This is also a little clunky because, I mean, clearly him and Biggie were not allowed at ringside. Uh, so Cesaro comes out after the match, and you'd think Biggie would run out to go save his friend because obviously the heels are going to do something. But no, nothing happens. So Cesaro like gets in the ring, then gets out of the ring, then gets a table, and threat then threatens to attack Kofi. Then Biggie runs out and makes a save. So he took a sweet little time. He must have been wrapping up in catering or something. Uh, so he clears the ring of Cesaro and well, he actually gets Cesaro like on the outside and then climbs in the ring and like charges Nakamura. And it's almost like Nakamura was like not expecting him to do that because he like stood there for a second and I guess expected Biggie to hit him, but he just like ran into him and then like shoved him out of the ring. So it was kind of weird, but uh, so Biggie ran him off and that's how we ended the segment. So good match, but kind of a weird ending. And then this last segment, I did watch this. This was just completely, utterly ridiculous. It was the Seamus toast of Jeff Hardy. And not only was it just like, it should have been rebooked for another show. Cause obviously uh, I'm guessing Seamus might've been a victim or, you know, there had been some reason to why he had to be quarantined or something because he did this entire segment from, from zoom. Uh, he was not in the ring. He was like from his house, I guess. Uh, but they obviously knew this in advance. So like, don't record this segment, like just do an interview with Jeff Hardy and say, Seamus is planning on this thing. Like just rebook it. Like it, it, there's no point in it. Like, cause they just came off completely ridiculous. Basically what we, what happened was there's a bartender in the ring, a bunch of alcohol bottles set up like a bar scene. And you're expecting Seamus to come out and bring out Jeff Hardy. But Jeff Hardy comes out, makes his way down the ring. Michael Cole's there notes that, uh, Hardy has admitted that he's an alcoholic. Uh, he demands that Seamus come to the ring. But as I said, Seamus just comes up on the big screen at a bar from his home on Zoom. Uh, it's just like, so he just stands there and Seamus is just bullying him about like his drinking problems. He's like toasting and mocking him about his problems. This bartender that looks suspiciously like EC3, just with less muscles, is like just standing there in his get up. And Hardy just stands there and takes it. I'm like, the guy is not even in his face. He's not in the ring. Nothing's stopping Hardy from just walking away. But he just stands there and takes it. And Shavis is like, all right, well, now that I'm done roasting you and you just took it in the ring, let's do a toast. So they're actually going to do this. So Hardy grabs a glass of champagne poured by the uh, bartender. Uh, Seamus toasts to him. It's just like, come on, have a drink. You know you want to type thing. Hardy picks up the drink, teases like he's going to drink it. When all of a sudden he pours it on the bartender and the bartender is just disgusted. And then Hardy goes and picks up a bottle of alcohol and smashes it over the bartender's head. And then he gets up and he hits him with a swanton bomb. Just what? He hit the bartender with a swanton bomb and a bottle of alcohol. Smashed that over his head. Out in street fights against random bystanders. He is supposed to be the babyface in the story. <laughs> it sounds like assault, is what it sounds like. Yeah, or attempted murder. Yeah, for real, for real. A bottle could kill somebody. It's just, I don't understand why they felt they needed to do this. Obviously, 
Hardy was probably supposed to break the bottle over Sheamus' head and then hit him with a uh, swanton bomb or something, which still, I mean, he lost clean to the guy, so it still comes off his like sour grapes, but whatever. But yeah, no, Sheamus isn't even there. Hardy takes the beating from standing in the ring when nobody's forcing him to be there. He taxes this innocent this bartender. He's probably getting paid to do this. He's just looking to get some money in this these hard times where he's probably not able to work very many hours in the state of Florida serving alcohol. But he's trying to make a couple of bucks. And then Hardy just pours a drink on him, hits him with a bottle, and then hits him with a swan time for his trouble. So this did not work. It sucked. I'm over the story anyway. So, yeah. This should have ended with Nakamura versus Kofi, but whatever. Uh, so, yeah, that ended the show. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to grade the show this week because I don't think it would be fair. I didn't watch um, all the matches in their entirety. Uh, I did watch some segments, but, yeah, didn't seem like it was that great of a show. Uh, and, yeah, this, the main segment was just so bad. And they just keep doing it. Even though, like, Sheamus beat the guy, he's still going to bully him. But whatever. But that's going to lead us to Monday Night Raw. And uh, obviously, we, we talked about uh, last week how they had all these COVID uh, you know, breakouts. And it's always obviously affected SmackDown. Brian and Sheamus both doing their segments from Zoom. And as Micah said earlier, some, you know, up, upwards of 30 people have tested positive. Um, luckily, no, no serious cases, I don't believe. Nobody's been hospitalized, which is great. But still... You know, this thing spread so crazy. It's not good for anybody to have it. And I want to point out that now that they do have it and have had all these tests after the fact, now WWE's taking it seriously. They're, they're finding people for not wearing masks. They're, they're laying down the law. Now they're doing COVID testing. And I'm like, of, of course, do it after the fact. Sounds like, uh, you know, it goes right along with how we have a, as a nation have handled this whole situation, but I digress. Uh, but what's, I guess, most disgusting about this is that I ranted about Ric Flair being on the show last week about how he nearly died uh, like a year ago and is an old man still and should not be anywhere out in public while this thing is going on. But nope, he was on Monday Night Raw again, and I just could not believe it. Like not wearing a mask, talking to people not wearing masks, just ridiculous. And I know that they're testing people now, but I mean, you had a, a wave of people test positive. You started testing people. You had another wave this past weekend of more people testing positive. Like, you're just flirting with disaster, guys. Uh, anyway. It just uh, seems like a really bad idea to bring frail old people to your sloppy shop. Yeah, not a good idea. It's really not good for anybody to be doing this in this form of fashion, which we've been saying all along, but they've continued to do it and continued to run this sloppy shop. But... Uh, also annoying that has very much featured on this show. Uh, they're now calling the Extreme Rules pay-per-view, as we said. Well, I think at first it was Extreme Rules, the horror show. Now it's the horror show at Extreme Rules for some reason, uh, which there are many people tonight who were talking about it uh, on Raw, and they kept saying, at the horror show, at Extreme Rules, and it's just I just want to bang my head against the wall, like, Every time they said it. And I didn't even watch the whole show. And it was driving me crazy. So uh, we did have people in the audience wearing a mask for the show, which is great. Uh, Drew McIntyre came out to start the show. He wanted to talk about his match with Dolph Ziggler, uh, which is another young gun who they're trying to push on uh, Monday Night Raw. 
you could sense uh, the sarcasm in my voice, I hope. Uh, but he basically runs down, you know, Ziggler's options for picking a stipulation. Uh, but McIntyre wants to hear from uh, Ziggler himself. So he asks him to come out and say what he wants the stipulation of their match to be. Ziggler comes out and says his stipulation for the show is a secret. Uh, said that McIntyre was dumb for letting him pick the stip. Reminds him that uh, he was once the WWE champion. Or uh, McIntyre reminds him that he's the WWE champion. Ziggler tells McIntyre not to compare the resumes because his is longer. Uh, they just go back and forth. But then Ziggler claimed that McIntyre left people behind on his way to the top. And uh, that there was someone there from his past. So Ziggler brings out Heath Slater. And uh, obviously, Heath Slater is one of these superstars that got uh, axed during this COVID um, when the pandemic started and they released a bunch of superstars. Obviously, they hired back Drake, Drake Maverick to NXT. But Slater uh, was fired at this time. So uh, I was kind of surprised to see him on the show. He comes out and he's got a shirt on that says free agent, which he's kind of been selling a lot of those shirts on uh, uh, pro wrestling tees and stuff like that. Uh, so Slater gets in the ring and I got to say, like, first of all, he's, he looks jacked. He, at least he's bigger. He's gained weight, but not the bad kind. Like he just looked bigger. Like the dude's been eating and like just feeling out better. Or he is just like jacked from lifting and just totally motivated in this pandemic, which He's, he's following the three-man band uh, diet program, which is where you get released, and then you come back jacked. So, And you come back and cut an awesome promo, because that's what he did here. So uh, I hope this gets him hired back, because my God. Uh, and uh, hopefully by this and not the match that he had, but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. But he basically came out and just talked about their long history together, talked about uh, when McIntyre, he remember when he got fired the first time. Uh well, he actually talked about him getting called up originally and being the chosen one, but obviously that didn't work out. He talked about when he got fired. Uh, that you know he he called uh, Heath Slater every day. Heath Slater, or actually Heath Slater, called him every day and talked to him, basically encouraging him uh, all along the way. Uh, Slater recalled watching McIntyre win the title at WrestleMania and crying with his kids because he was so happy for him after being you know after working his way back up. But he says, however. When I was fired recently, you weren't there for me. He said, they spoke only once since he got fired and it was on the bump. And the only show that allowed him to appear on it to speak his mind. He spoke about his, not his 22 kids, he said, which he's breaking the fourth wall or breaking his character, I guess, and saying his two kids. And he's like choking up here. And I would imagine it's legitimate because the guy did legit lose his job in a pandemic when he has children. So I can't imagine he felt great about it. But he recalls, uh, McIntyre claiming that he would petition to get a match for uh, Slater, uh, even though he was still unemployed. But he said uh, the whole I got kids thing is no gimmick and that he is here to take his opportunity and basically said, McIntyre, you promised me this and you haven't given me McIntyre saying, you know, I, I don't want to fight you, man. I don't want to fight you. So Slater shoves him. He still doesn't want to fight him. So he slaps him. So McIntyre finally says, all right, you're on. You got your fight. This is a really good, awesome promo for Heath. Not a great match. <laughs> now that the match was bad, it lasted 26 seconds. Uh, they were obviously in street clothes. Uh, Slater immediately jumps on McIntyre, starts hammering him in the corner, takes off his shirt, turns around and gets hit with the Claymore and gets demolished. And I was like, 
whatever. He's still he's Slater, I guess. But just coming out, he looks jacked. He looks great. He cut an awesome promo. Like once he did this, I was so much more into Heath Slater versus Drew McIntyre than I was Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre. Like Ziggler coming over from SmackDown, feuding for, with like Otis for all this time to just get launched into the, the title picture has just been so weird. But these guys are legit friends in Slater and McIntyre. He comes out because this great promo. It was so fantastic. I was looking forward to a great match here. And he just beats him. Like, I hope they hire this guy back and create something out of this. Even though, like, basically Ziggler jumped Slit Slater after the match, after Drew McIntyre left. But obviously McIntyre brought came back out, saved him. He helped him up, and they shook hands. Obviously, they were both, like, fighting back tears. They hugged each other and took a bow. And I was just like, this could have been such a great program if you just let it go. Like, let him kill Ziggler here and let Slater take his place in the match. But Yeah, they, the fact that they released Heath Slater when his ex-tag team partner and up-and-coming, like, star story starts is just baffling to me because it's a built-in program. You could have this program last for, I mean, WWE terms, years, but uh, probably a month or two would have been a really good program to run with your new champion. And uh, you could have turned Heath heel. You could have had him really just want to have a, a friendly competition with his with his with his friend and former tag team member, but uh, they threw that all away whenever they decided to release him. Uh, really weird decision. I think Heath Slater's very great, uh, at least promo wise. He's he's perfectly adequate in the ring. Um, this could have been a much better match than they made it, but and, and the thing about it is too. Another reason I was so excited about it is because. One, I'm not excited about Ziggler, as I said, because, I mean, he's really nothing. Excited by by Ziggler, I mean, exactly. Uh, I mean, he, he did well in the Otis uh, story, but I mean, nobody thought he was going to come out good in that. And, uh, I mean, who believes he has any kind of chance of beating Drew McIntyre? Honestly, uh, I mean, I don't care what the stupid stipulation is he come up with, but I don't see anyone built right now that has a chance of beating McIntyre personally. Well, the way Heath came out here, I was hoping, like, the dude looked jacked. He came out and had a great promo. Like, if it were me and I was booking the show and saw this, I would have been like, we're called Nodable. I mean, this show is taped. You can go out there and be like, take out Ziggler. Like, just let let Heath kill the dude. Like, just let him like go crazy on the guy and say, I want this. And, I mean, another thing that had me excited for this match, some of the best villains, actually the best villains are the ones – that aren't necessarily villains. They have a just cause. Heath got fired. He feels like he was wronged. And he had a buddy who went in the same situation who he treated well after like he got fired. And Drew didn't return the favor, even though like Drew could make it like, yeah, it was my mistake. Like I'm not perfect. But Heath could take it so personally and be driven by that. He could believably go up against Drew, especially with how jacked he looked. And just like have him be like, I'm fighting for my kids. I'm fighting tooth and nail. Basically the same kind of thing that made the awesome storyline that Drake Maverick just did do something like that. Like, and it's like you said, it's a built-in story. They're partners. Is they have history? What a program that could be. And it would make drew a better character. Heath could like, it just could just get launched back into the story, give him something to do. Cause he had nothing before this. Like it could be so great, but in WWE fashion, they beat him in 26 seconds. So Ziggler could come out and beat him up and shine and be the heel. And now they're going to have some stupid match at 
the horror show at Extreme Rules with some stupid stipulation, and McIntyre's going to kill him. So, yeah, I just can't. I can't see it being a good match. I really can't. I mean, I'm sure it'll be a fine match because they they can both work. But who cares? Like honestly, so it, whatever. Um, rant over. It's stupid. Uh, for you know, for such a great segment in the way they did, it was just kind of deflating. And uh, yeah, which I guess is not surprising uh, for what's been going on as of late. But after this, we had Bailey and Sasha. Uh, Sarah wanted to interview with them, but they didn't want to talk to her. Uh, they'd rather go talk to the world, so they go out to the ring. Uh, they spoke about their busy schedules, basically doing built double duty on Raw and SmackDown. Bailey said that Nikki Cross isn't going to beat her for the um, SmackDown Women's titles, and that Banks is going to tap out Asuka, and they will both be, you know, dose champs, as they're calling uh, Bailey, and that they're going to take over the company. When Asuka interrupts, she questions the two belt Banks and says that, uh, Banks wasn't good at math. Oscar told Bailey that she wasn't ready for her. Noted that Banks didn't have a good match tonight. Uh, didn't have a match tonight. So uh, challenged her to a match. Um, but Bailey accepted the challenge on Banks' behalf. Uh, so Kyrie enters in. And uh, we're going to have a match between Kyrie and Sasha. So they were thinking that, I guess, Oscar and Banks were going to wrestle. But Kyrie came out and took took her place. And uh, they had a pretty decent match since they, I guess, uh, you know, there were some, somebody out here to kill Kyrie. Uh, Banks isn't the uh, beast that Nia is and the not great worker that Nia is. So they actually had a pretty good match. Uh, and it was good to see Kyrie just not in a squash match uh, for a change. So that was good. Um, yeah. Just a good back and forth match. Uh, the only thing bad about it, I guess, was the ending, which. Uh, just ended in a DQ, basically. Uh, Kyrie won. Uh, so that was good, I guess. But, um, yeah, it was good while it lasted. But, um, yeah, basically just setting up for Asuka versus uh, Bailey later on the show. We also had a cut. We cut backstage to see Aleister Black. Uh, he was basically uh, just been attacked by Murphy uh, and or Seth Rollins. Uh, and they put a Rey Mysterio mask on him. So whatever uh obviously alistair was supposed to team with mysterio tonight against murphy and seth uh so they're teasing that alistair's not going to be able to compete uh the viking raiders are uh they're playing with a bowling ball when they're approached by the big show uh he big show just comes in like no nonsense saying it's, tonight's not about fun the raiders are sure that they're going to take this seriously uh they looked up to edge and christian and noted that edge was a fellow viking uh, from his stint on the show Vikings. Um, they were about to do their five second pose when show smacked each of them in the chest. And so they got serious. Uh, then we had the Kevin Owens show, which uh, featured Seth Rollins as his guest. Uh, he comes out. Uh, Rollins talks about how he, uh, he asked like Owens how his fractured ankle was. Cause obviously Kevin Owens fractured it in the WrestleMania match, even though he won the match. Some fan yelled, you suck at Seth. And Owens was like, you know, she's right. <laughs> and he did that. And I was like, you know what? I miss Kevin Owens being all over the show. He's uh, so <laughs> great. So uh, he said his ankle was feeling better, but uh, and probably much better off than Seth Rollins' ego as of late. Uh, basically, since he hasn't done so well since their WrestleMania match. 
Uh, he then wanted to give him a gift to uh, make him feel better. So he gives him a KO Mania shirt, the same one that he wore when he beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins did not like this, obviously, so he chucked the shirt aside. So he didn't care about Owens or his show. He wanted to address uh, that Rey Mysterio was now medically cleared. So uh, he challenged Mysterio to a match at uh, Extreme Rules. Uh, the horror show at Extreme Rules, I should say. Uh, he wanted to make Mysterio a permanent sacrifice. Um, uh, basically said Owens sacrificed himself at Mania for the win, but it was at a cost. And uh, Owens has since been on the shelf. And Ron said he needed uh, Owens needed him more than uh, Ron's needed Owen. And uh, invited Owens to join him in the cause. But uh, he's acting like he was thinking it over. But Mysterio and Dominic interrupt them. Uh, basically, Mysterio says that uh, Owen wouldn't fall for it, you know, or whatever. And uh, he didn't really because he said he would never fight against Rollins' side. But he would fight against Mysterio's side. So that set up. Uh, basically, he said, Ray, I'll be your tag team partner since, you know, Aleister Black's not going to make it. I guess he just didn't ask him if he was okay, but said, I'll be your tag, uh, tag partner for sure. Also, Dominic was there flanking both of them. So we had Kevin Owens and Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins and uh, Murphy with Dominic at ringside. Uh, this was a decent match, I guess, for, you know, a little bit. But uh, it basically ended with... Um, Mysterio, he was going to go for the 619 on Rollins, but Rollins escaped and grabbed Dominic. He like had his hand around his neck like he was going to break his neck and kill him. It's just, just weird. And so uh, Alistair came out from behind. Uh, he attacked Rollins from behind to save Dominic. Um, Dominic like, broke free. The referee was like, oh, so Rollins like, dropped under his knees and was like begging for... Uh, for uh, Alistair to actually attack him because it would, you know, cause the DQ and would um, give Rollins the right to name the stipulation at um, the horror show Extreme Rules. So Mysterio is still in the ring. Murphy's out at uh, ringside. So Dominic runs over, starts gouging out Murphy's eyes. He's screaming. Referee doesn't see any of this and just doesn't care. He's like talking to Mysterio. So is it like perhaps an AEW ref they got? you talk about overbooking like this was just crazy. So we still have like Rollins with his back turned begging Alistair to attack him. Dominic's guiding this dude's eyes out. The ref's not even paying attention. Then Murphy unexplicably after having his eyes gouged out on the outside, rolls back into the ring when he's the illegal man and can get beaten inside the ring, but he's going to, he's going to try his best, I guess. So he gets in, starts swinging wildly, but Mysterio knocks him into the ropes, hits a six, one, nine, Hits a frog splash and picks up the win. All while Rollins is just like distracted. Uh, Owens did eventually take him out before the finish, but still, like, Rollins just didn't notice any of this until it was too late. So Mysterio grabs the mic after the match. He said he has the perfect stipulation for the horror show at Extreme Rules. And I heard rumors about this, uh, but they made it official here. He's going to be, it's going to be called an eye for an eye match. And it's like, maybe like a first blood match, but with an eye, like first person to incapacitate your opponent's eye or something, you know, whatever. But it's even worse than that. Uh, Mysterio says he's willing to rip out Seth Rollins' eye with his bare hands. And like Rollins is scared to death. Owens looks appalled. Now would be the perfect time to reveal that Seth Rollins has had a glass eye for the last, 
you know, however long he's been wrestling. And then Rey Mysterio just reaches in and rips it out in the middle of the match. Well, you, CG. you would think that, like, yeah, yeah, maybe Mysterio is, you know, willing to rip his eye out because, you know, he, he's attacked his son Dominic and threatened to hurt his eye and break his neck tonight. Uh, he obviously nearly cost Mysterio his career by take, you know, doing his eye. I could see him saying like, dude, I just want to rip your eye out, but it, you know, it's really just hyperbole, but no, in fact, uh, it is going to be the horror show at extreme rules because apparently WWE.com, uh, described the match as saying the winner of this match can only be determined by extracting your opponent's eye. So literally, no way. Rollins and Mysterio literally had to pull out the other one's eye to win the match. I mean, if they're trying to get people to buy the pay-per-view, I'm all in now. <laughs> just, oh. just completely ridiculous. This is not real. Just, oh, just. Oh, my God. It's still real to me. <laughs> but it just completely, like, it. yeah, I, I don't know what to think. But, yes, the eye for an eye match, which – it's like they're they obviously were playing off of the, you know, the story that Moxley had with Jericho and the whole eye patch thing, but this, they just wanted to ramp it up and straight up WWE it and like overbook it like crazy. So there's no telling what's going to happen. Oh, and by the way, uh, if you haven't seen it in the news, Rey Mysterio is working for WWE not under contract because basically WWE is not offering him enough money. Uh, so he's going to finish out the storyline that actually initially did the eye the eye gimmick to start with thinking that they were going to write him off TV, but then they just made it into a story hoping that he would resign, but he hasn't because he's like, I mean, I'm not taking less money. So we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll just rip out his other eye. I don't know, but uh, and Mysterio will end his WWE with being blind or something. I don't know. So we will see what happens at the horror show at extreme rules. Then we had uh Bobby Lashley and MVP promo. I mean, MVP has been great. Uh, and honestly, this segment wasn't bad, but it's just weird because they come out here. Uh, there's like a pedestal with like, you know, a cover on it. They say they're going to unveil the new U.S. title. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I know Apollo Crews is champion, uh, but I do know MVP beat him last week. So like, what's going on? Uh Apparently they said, like Charlie talked to them in the back first and said there's questions around the U.S. title after Cruz was taken out of action. Lashley said he put down Cruz with a full Nelson. So I'm guessing they're saying he's injured. I don't know. But basically they went out there. Uh, they made it sound like Apollo is still the champion. I mean, he didn't get beat for a, in a title match. But basically MVP said, you know, we're out here to unveil this new belt, even though the champ, the champion is not here, but he's like, but you know what? I beat him last week, so I might as well be champion. So you know what? I'm going to call myself the new champion. So he unveils his new belt, and I think it's fine. I'm like, I'm not amazed by it. Maybe I like it better with time, but a lot of people like it, so that's fine. I didn't think it's bad. There's been a lot worse titles. It doesn't have a big giant W on it like the other ones, but uh, it's got like the Winged Eagle, which that was my favorite WWF title. Uh so anything that's got like the stars and stripes because I'm a Captain America fan and an eagle is pretty cool. So not because you're an America fan, but a Captain America fan. Yes. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. I follow. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it looks okay. Uh, I'll probably warm. I really like it. 
I think I, I sent you a render earlier. I don't know if you saw it, but where they changed the top with the stars to actual blue, like the uh, colors of the John Cena belt. Yeah. Uh, I think that looked a lot better, but I still I think agree. this looks really good. And I think it looks better than most of the belts that WWE comes out with. Yeah, and, and especially since these belts better. get roasted when they get debuted like this and that there's actually positive feedback. Hey, if yeah. I'm WWE, I'm taking this as a win. It looks a heck of a lot better than the uh, freaking TNT title, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that one. But uh, yeah, so apparently they just debuted this belt, even though the champion's not there, and he just claims it. Then Bobby Lashley interrupts him and is like, yeah, no, actually, MVP, you know what? We're going to just decree it here. I'm going to make it official because I'm Bobby Lashley. And so they announce him as the new U- U.S. champion. Uh, I don't know if it's official, official, but they said it is. So I don't know, but whatever. It's stupid uh, if they do that this way, but especially since – I mean, I said I was afraid that Cruz would get treated like this because he was treated like a nobody on SmackDown. He comes to Raw and does great. And now the guy who's running SmackDown is now running Raw. So whatever. I hope he comes. he's able to come back pretty soon. I'm assuming he's probably one of the ones that is either tested positive or got you know flagged for being quarantined or something. But we will see. Uh, anyway, MVP and Lashley got interrupted by Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Uh, the jobbers that they've been on the show. Alexander said the new belt uh, looked pristine. Also noted that uh, you need to earn titles in WWE. So Ricochet warned MVP that Cruz would be back and would be able to end his fantasy. But in the meantime, they wanted to put MVP and Lashley out of business. So they attacked them, which set up a tag match between the two. Uh, it was It was weird because MVP was in a suit. So another like street clothes wearing match. I mean, we had Bailey do it on SmackDown. And uh, again, we, we got MVP wrestling in a suit and actually winning in this match. So like Ricochet and Cedric Alexander are struggling against a guy wearing a suit, uh, mainly Bobby Lashley, but they struggled against MVP too. Um, basically the match ended when uh, Alexander, like he made a comeback, but Lashley tagged himself in from MVP uh, hit a giant spear on Alexander and uh, was able to pin him with uh, Ricochet was on the outside. Uh, after the match, Lashley put Alexander in the full Nelson. But Ricochet was able to get back in the ring, hit him with a kick and save him. But like Lashley jumped back up immediately, chased him out of the ring and they ran for their lives like the baby faces they are. They're like crawling up on the ramp after being defeated. And Ricochet is just like, yeah, this ain't over. This ain't over. And I was like, yeah, dude. It was, it's it's over. You lost. Like they booked these two so horribly. And Ricochet just had a special come out on the WWE network. Whatever. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh yeah, but they look like cowards running away from Bobby Lashley, the killer. So whatever. I mean, this might might as well be Shorty G and uh Apollo Crews just getting beat by Sheamus. Like it's but whatever. It's Bruce Pritchard, I guess. But in the back, we had Andrew Garza uh, trying to reason with Andrade. Uh, but they they were, like, still fighting. He was about to leave when uh, Ric Flair stopped him. They told him how impress, impressed he's been with, it, with uh, by them. And Ric Flair, still not wearing a mask, uh, talking to them. Randy Orton comes up and uh, notes that he, Andrade, and Angel Garza were all three gener- third-generation superstars. Uh, he respected them but warned them not to get in his way of getting his hands on the big show. So they agreed. Then Charlie interviewed 
uh, Asuka and Kairi Sane. Uh, they challenged Bailey and Sasha to a tag title match next week. So, uh, and then Kairi Sane played uh, their theme song on the recorder. So that happened. She did a pretty good job too, if I do say so myself. I did see that. She's a good recorder player, but I mean, yeah, it's just ridiculous. I could do without the recorder. So then we had a six man tag match with Randy Orton, Andrade, and Angel Garza with uh, Selena Vega versus Big Show and the Viking Raiders. Uh, this was a decent match for what it was. Got a little bit of time because most of these matches have been fairly short on the show. Uh, but they got about, you know, like 15 minutes or so. Um, and it was going pretty well, but uh, Big Show was like in there just like destroying Angel Garza and Andrade and like Orton had to come in and like fake like he's going to hit an RKO on the Big Show, but Big Show was able to get out of it. Uh, Andrade and Angel were like finally able to double team Big Show, which forced him to tag out. Um, then, uh, the Viking Raiders did run wild towards the end. Um, basically Ivar ran wild and like did pretty well. He tags in Eric. They're all like kind of fighting with each other. Um, they tried to double team Garza and hit him with their move, but Andrade was able to make the save. Orton flew in, hit the RKO on Eric and he got the pinfall. So Orton, Garza, uh, Andrade and Vega stand tall in the ring after the match. I'm just, I know they're shorthanded because they had so many people test positive, but just like seeing the Viking Raiders lose again, uh, seeing Andrade and uh, or Angel Garza, even though they are the heels, like get destroyed by the big show while Orton and big show are the stars of this match. I'm just like, what year is it? Like why you had Heyman, who's directing the show, trying to put these guys over and build the future. But here now we have Randy Orton in the big show, the veterans, the legends shining here in this match. So whatever. It's stupid. Uh, Flair was also in the back again, congratulated Orton on another win. So he's still back there without a mask. When R-Truth runs up, uh, he notices how well-dressed Ric Flair is. And he calls him the dirtiest player in the game. But then he looks him over again and accuses him of being Akira Tozawa in disguise. So, whatever. Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, then he runs away because he sees two Tozawas. And so, Tozawa and his army of ninjas run up. They stop because they're scared of Orton. Like, Tozawa's just, like, frightened at the sight of this man. He's tower- towering over him. He says, which way did truth go? And Orton goes, oh, you want to know which which way he went? He went that way. And he pointed the wrong direction. And they all went that way. After just seeing the guy, like, run away. Just stupid. <laughs> ridiculous. So then, after this, we had Billy Kay versus Ruby Riot. Obviously, last week, Peyton Royce beat Ruby Riot uh, when, basically, the Iconics double-teamed Ruby, per se, even though not really, but whatever. Had a short match. Uh, I watched the highlights, as I said, of this show. I basically saw the entire match because this only went two minutes and 41 seconds. So they didn't bother editing it off like YouTube. Uh, Ruby was distracted by Peyton Royce. Billy Kay gave her the defeat. Hit like this ugly fisherman, like sit down spine buster thing. Uh, like she banged her head against the mat. Um, and once again, Ruby Riot looked like a dumb baby face. 
getting double teamed. Like they're teasing that Liv Morgan's going to come back and team with her at some point. But I think Liv is also somebody who's been flagged for either being testing positive or being around somebody who tested positive. So we don't have any idea when she's going to be back. And there's no reason why Ruby would, why would she want to be her friend anyway? She was like a jerk to her. So I don't know, whatever. This is also dumb. Then we have our main event of the show, which is Asuka versus Bailey. Uh, this is actually a pretty good match. They got a long time, longest match of the show by far. They got like 20 minutes. Uh, Nikki Cross is on commentary. Um, but security came out and wanted her to leave because she's from SmackDown. Uh, it's like, okay. <laughs> like, when does that ever stop anybody from being, you know, on any Wasn't Baron Corbin just on uh, Raw like a few weeks ago? They're bouncing all over the place and nobody cares, but apparently they care now. It's dumb. But uh, the commentary says they say that she could stay there, but uh, Banks threw shades at Nikki and uh, caused her to flip out. Um, and uh, basically Cross tried to go after her, but um, or she, I think she tried to go after Bailey actually, because she came on the outside and knocked her headset off. They just kept messing with her. She finally goes crazy. So security stopped her and carried her away. She's like freaking out. So uh, they had a pretty good uh, back and forth match. Uh, as I was saying, they went like 20 minutes and then uh, Bailey had the advantage actually. And like she had, Asuka like hanging over the ropes and told Banks that she was thirsty. So Banks goes and gets a bottle of water, similar to how she did against uh, Tamina, I guess. Banks drinks some water, throws the bottle of water like all over Asuka. So she's dousing her in water. Uh, and she's like about to get back in the ring. They're having fun when all of a sudden somebody starts beating on the glass. It scares Bailey to death. She looks up and the camera pans over and Nikki Cross able to fight off all the security guards, I guess, and make her way back into the arena. Also not wearing a mask, by the way, I should point out. But So she might be seeing a hefty fine coming from uh, WWE. But she's banging on the uh, the plexiglass or whatever, scares Bailey and Sasha. Uh, basically, Bailey's like on the ring apron. She like gets backed away, but Oscar grabs her with the Oscar lock, pulls her back into the ring. Uh, they teased like she was going to try to roll up Oscar similar to how Banks did, um, I believe a week ago. But uh, she's able to fight out of it. Locked her in the Oscar lock. Banks tried to come in, but Kyrie runs in, spears her, takes her out. Uh, Bailey tried to counter it again, uh, but Oscar was able to reverse it into a cradle and picked up the win. So it was a pretty good match in the show. Uh, definitely not like SmackDown, which had a crappy ending. Uh, definitely the longest match of the night. And really the longest match since Bruce Pritchard's taken over. They've kind of gone with a short match, a bunch of segment type formula uh, since Pritchard took over. And uh, that seems to be the one that we're going with, but they got a long time here uh, and they put on a pretty good match. So not much to complain about, but uh, like I said, don't want to give this a full review, uh, like grade of what I thought of the show. I mean, it definitely had some dumb stuff in it. Uh, like most of his, but it also had some great stuff. Like obviously Heath Slater coming back and cutting his promo was awesome. Uh, Bailey, I've actually enjoyed her work. Uh, as a heel, even though she's still kind of miscast, but she's done a pretty good job with it and working both shows. Uh, I still don't have any idea how her and Banks are going to feud in the future because they're both like jerks. Like I can't see me rooting for either one, uh, but it was entertaining. It was a good final match of the show, uh, but the rest of it, a lot of just weird stuff happening. And like I said, big show, Randy Orton being featured, 
Bobby Lashley killing Ricochet and Cedric Alexander. Uh, even Heath Slater getting killed in this wacky Rey Mysterio eye for an eye segment. I don't know, just not great. Uh, and like I said, SmackDown wasn't great either. So not too much to be excited about for WWE as of late. Uh, I mean, I hear Great American Bash is pretty good if you're in NXT. So that's good. But all in all, just weird shows for these two shows. Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't have to sit down and watch five hours of this. Uh, I'm not looking forward to the coming up shows as we lead into the horror show at Extreme Rules. Like, just I'm just so over it. And uh, I feel like all we can take from this is we need to become a Wednesday Night Wars podcast and I'll review NXT and AEW. I feel like that would be better for your mental health. <laughs> it might be. So, uh, yeah. So that'll wrap up our weekend review of this week. Uh, Matt should be back. Obviously, he's going to have a, uh, I believe he has some indie focuses coming out this weekend that you can look forward to. Uh, he also got a review, I believe, coming out. Um, stay tuned for that. Yeah, so uh, we got some stuff coming down the pipe for sure. Uh, and he should be back next week, obviously. We want it to, it's his and Carol's anniversary. Uh, so they're celebrating that. That's why he was out this week. Um, so we want to wish them a happy anniversary and you guys can hit us up on Facebook and wish them a happy anniversary as well. Uh, I'm sure they would appreciate it, uh, but he will be back next week. Uh, hopefully something doesn't come up again because I cannot watch SmackDown and raw, especially after this week. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, we'll be back. Like I said, with these other shows, but also to review uh fighter fest, the second half of it, uh, as we are looking forward to as Mike is looking forward to, so uh, catch that next week's on next week's show. We'll be talking about all that stuff. So uh, is there anything else you want to add, Micah, before we leave? I don't think so. Sounds like we, we covered our bases. Sounds good. So thanks for joining us again this week, guys. Uh, you know, make sure you check us out on uh, Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Russell Life Radio, Russell Life Pod on Twitter. You can follow Matt on Facebook and Instagram at Russell Life Matt. Um, I think he's on Twitter, Russell Life Matt as well. You can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Uh, Micah has broken the uh, his social media silence and has admitted here on the show today that he does pay attention to our Facebook page from time to time. So if you want to hit him up on there, go for it. He'll just delete your message, I guess, but we'll find out. Uh, Not only praising Matt. Yes. So, uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. Be sure to uh, like and share this. Uh, if you like the show and share it with your friends, uh, let, let us know what you think. And as we, as I said, you can always hit us up on our social media because we love talking to you guys. But uh, thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate it. And we will catch you guys down the road. Bro.